This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Anita Arnand and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Welcome to Any Answers. So this afternoon, I'd love to know how are you feeling at the prospect of Prime Minister Boris Johnson? Well, he says he doesn't want a coronation, if you believe today's newspapers, but he's so far ahead of the field, it certainly looks as though it may go that way. I just want to know what you would make of that. And is he, as one of the audience of Jonathan and Any Questions put it, our version of Donald Trump. 03700 100 444 is the number. You may think that's a good thing. You may think that's a bad thing. Either way, you're welcome to share your views with us. And also, I'd love to hear about your views on the Tory leadership race more widely. What have you thought of the campaigning, of the values that have been put on offer so far? Uh, we can talk about the BBC's announcement on licence fees for the over 75s. We can talk about the government's new target to cut greenhouse gas emissions. We can talk about chatty carriages on the train um what do you make of those would you embrace them or the, oh, do you think they're just terribly un-british either which way you can chat to us today 03700 100 444 you can email any.answers at bbc.co.uk or you can tweet us using the hashtag bbcaq by far the greatest number of you this afternoon though want to talk about the conservative leadership race and uh, who is going to be the next prime minister of this country let's start with louise broughton who's calling us from kendall in cumbria good afternoon Oh, hi, Anita. Hello there. So uh, let's talk about which candidate you prefer and why. (laughs) Well, I'm voting for Boris, I'm afraid. I think if Donald Trump had been prime minister, we would have left the EU long ago. There wouldn't have been any of this namby-pambying about. So, yeah, definitely Boris for me. And we will see. He's an extremely clever guy. He doesn't always put himself across very well. And people say he lies. Well, they all lie, don't they? So there we go. Mm. Um, But more importantly, Anita, just to be very quick, we've just come back from France and we were in a restaurant uh, next to a French couple and sort of looking in a very cagey way. And the guy looked at us and said, Brexit. And we thought, oh, goodness me. He said, why don't you just go? He said, just go and then we can all go. He said the EU isn't working. Mm. And he said we will still all be friends. So so um, the first part of your call, um, Let's if we can just talk about that a little bit more. Mm. Um, so you said, you know, sometimes he doesn't always say the right thing. Sometimes he doesn't say the consistent thing. I mean, you know, this the whole thing about writing two different... Um, uh, editor, two different letters about whether we would leave, uh, whether he would be pro-staying or, or pro-leaving, that there were two versions and the version that went in was the, the way the referendum went. Does that not bother you? No, not in the slightest. Because? Well, I just think we all have to choose the best man for the job. And he, he's had quite a bit of experience and some of the guys who are, who are up for leadership have not. And this is just my mm. my opinion. And I happen to think that Donald Trump's done a good job. I couldn't care less about the fact that people don't like him. They don't like the fact that he's been horrible to women or they think he's racist. The, 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 the American economy has never been stronger. And therefore, he is doing a job. Mm. And they're all doing a job. And this is we want somebody who's going to go in there and do the job. You know, we're not we're not going to be friends with anybody. It's not about employing somebody that we all like. We want somebody who's going to get on with it. And okay. I think Boris will do that. But don't go away. Let's take some more calls on this. Um, 03700 100 Anthony Hill is calling us uh, from Staines. Hello. 
Good afternoon, Nita. Hi there, Anthony. Um, so you heard Louise. She says yeah. he's the right man for the job, the one that she trusts, and he's like Donald Trump, but that's a good thing. Well, he's not acting very much like Donald Trump at the moment, is he? This airbrush Boris, this bunker Boris. Where is Boris? So <laughs> it's it, question? so so you, the, his invisibility is bothering you. It is because if someone is too toxic for their own campaign, uh, surely that's a worry for the country. If mm. they, his retinue feel they have to sort of put him on ice in a, an iceberg or something uh, in a basement. Yes, uh, well, the virtues uh, to be sold. Okay, uh, Louise, is that a fair point? Because he hasn't taken part in any big in political interviews. He's not taking part in the Channel Four debate that's taking place this weekend. He is going to do the BBC debate, but that's after the first cut is made. Does that not bother you that he's not actually sort of if he's if he's got if he's this strong man? Then front up and deal with the no, questions. No, it doesn't bother me, Anita. I think all these interviews and all these this bear baiting on television is purely for the for for everybody's entertainment and, quite frankly, uh, for the media. Do you don't you don't you don't want? Sorry, go on, Anthony. Yes, well, doesn't that defeat your argument? When I mean, you talk about Trump, the thing that made Trump was he did appear on TV. He was on The Apprentice. He was visible. He was out there, and you know he's all about selling, isn't he, Trump? He's not hiding away in a bunker. He's not hiding away in Trump Tower. No, uh, but and then he's been he's been vilified for it, hasn't he? You know these guys can't well, win. Okay, Anthony, Anthony, who who do you think would be the best person um, to lead the Conservative Party and be Prime Minister? For the sake of the country, Rory Stewart. So I think a star is born out of a very nebulous uh, leadership race because he's identified the issues that really are at the heart of what needs to be done in this country. Things like social care somebody that actually raises the very thorny question of incontinence. And a Tory leader who can do that has my vote. Mm. This is a very serious issue in this country, an ageing population. And there is something in the air of Blair about Stuart. He's one to look for, I think, in the future. And if they don't take Rory Stewart, well, I mean, where does your vote go then, naturally speaking? Who do you migrate towards if there was a general election tomorrow? If it yeah. is a Boris Johnson who leads the Conservatives, who gets Anthony Hill's vote? Well, certainly not Labour, and none of the flash in the pan parties, so I suppose it would, actually. We are resigned to Boris in some respects, and I do hope he would do well. I really do for the sake of the country. He can't fail. Oh, so you would, you would vote for the Conservatives with a Boris Johnson leadership? Yes, okay. because I would give him a chance. Interesting. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Anthony. Let's take another call on this. 03700 100 444. Uh, some emails, though. First, Alan. Well, this is a tale of two Alans, clearly. This is uh, Alan uh, who writes, Our country is more bitterly divided than at any time in living memory. The very last thing we need is a prime minister who himself is hugely divisive. Conservative MPs and mem- party members should think very carefully about which of the candidates is best equipped to begin the task of bringing our country together, which will take a long time, and Boris Johnson is not that candidate. But a different Alan, Alan Bembridge, who's calling from, uh, who has written from Derby, says, as a non-Tory voter taking an interest in the Tory party leadership, I must say that for the first time in a long time, if Boris Johnson wins the contest and as a consequence of that victory becomes the next prime minister, then for the first time since I could remember, the country is getting someone they know about. No waiting for the feet to get under the table and possibly disappoint the country. Boris is known the world over, and for me, he might just be the one to tell the EU what's going to happen and not be dictated to. So bring on Boris, and let's watch the fireworks following the exit on the 31st of October, both here and in Europe. And Alan, to underline the point, ends with, good luck, Boris, smiley face. Uh, let's go to Andy Kirsham, who's calling us from Hackney. Hello, Andy. Andrew. Sorry, Andy was a little bit presumptive, wasn't it, Andrew? Um, what did you want to say? Yeah, okay. You can call me Andy if you want. Thanks. Um, 
I, I don't share Louise and uh, and Alan's enthusiasm for this, and I don't think um, Boris Johnson makes a, a great deal of sense about Brexit. And uh, in fact, he's completely inconsistent. Um, he began uh, six months ago. He uh, described Theresa May's deal as a suicide vest uh, placed around the Constitution very offensively. Um, he then he, he resigned at that time, um, and in the last vote in Parliament, he voted for her. Her, her uh, Brexit deal, the exit deal, the withdrawal deal that she negotiated. Um, so it's very difficult to see where exactly he does stand. I, I think also Andrew Mitchell described um, Boris as being a long-time uh, Brexiteer, where in mm. fact uh, when he was uh, mayor of, 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 of London, um, he expressed uh, very pro-European attitudes and it has, in fact said um, very negative things about, about uh, Europe, uh, Britain leaving the EU and the disruption and economic costs it would cause. So it's very difficult to see. And, and now he is promising uh, to renegotiate a deal that has Theresa May, uh, to get an extension, signed a legally binding document, a point 12 of which states that she agrees that this the, the agreement she has negotiated cannot be renegotiated. Mm -hmm. So in order to get the extension, this country, the leader of this country, has, has agreed that the uh, the, the uh, agreement that has taken over two years to negotiate and has been accepted by the, the British government cannot be renegotiated. And now Boris Johnson is saying in the next uh, four months he's going to renegotiate that. And if he doesn't, he's not going to ask for an extension. Even Dominic Raab is, is asking for an extension if, if uh, an agreement cannot be made. But Dominic Raab has also said he's, he'd be very comfortable with uh, leaving with no deal as well. well uh, that's, that's the competition yeah. in the Tory party at the moment to see who can most sound like um, Nigel Farage. Well, but the thing, Andrew, the thing is that that is some, what some people are longing for is that kind of clarity. Um, so, for example, Scar someone called Scarlett says Boris Johnson will get us out of the EU. He will play hardball with the EU, which is what they deserve for not negotiating with us properly. Well, they have negotiated with us properly. We set some uh, hard lines in the, in the sand and said we wouldn't go upon them, and we've got a pretty good deal on, on the basis of that. That's also not our our trade deal. This is the exit deal, and then we negotiate our trade deal. Um, it's, 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 it's simple to say we just want to leave, but uh, a no-deal Brexit under WTO rules would be disastrous okay, so, so for our economy. Out of the field, who is it that does get your vote? Well, I'm not a Tory voter. I'm a, I'm a Remainer, mm. and I'm also... So none um, of them would? Uh, uh, well, I mean, I would, I would have preferred someone that actually made some sense. So Rory Stewart and Matt Hancock both um, more or less uh, explained the position in the, in the same way that I have just done, okay. namely that there's no deal to be renegotiated and that we need to, uh, you know, if you, if you are a Brexiteer and you do want a deal, then um, you need to accept Theresa May's deal. Okay. And, and if you don't, then we're going to be leaving without a deal and that's going to be very costly for all of us. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Uh, this is from... From Saganya Ranganathan Naveenan, who says Britain is free-falling into the abyss that is Brexit. The psychodrama of the Tory party, and I've grown up and lived in Britain for 58 years, and this is the worst of times. I cannot believe how the complexity, which is Brexit, became the subject of an oversimplistic referendum. We need honesty from politicians, not the delusion which has been sold to us. I fear for the future of this country, which has simply been let down by Tory politicians and a totally ineffective leader of the opposition. Another one here. Mr Johnson will be Britain's 55th Prime Minister. 
Uh, I will add the caveat if he's elected. And he will be the 20th who went to Eton. He will have been installed there with votes of just one in 250,000 of us, 160,000 overwhelmingly white male middle-class Conservative Party members living in the south of the country. Political commentators and moderate politicians need to call it as it is. This is an affront to democracy. Let's take another call. David Gambier is calling us. Hello, David. Good afternoon, Anita. Hi, what did you want to say? Um, well, I can sympathise with a great deal of what has been said by other callers into the programme already. Um, I'm in the strange position of being a, a Remainer who thinks that Boris may just about be our only our only hope. Um, and the reason for that is I live in West Oxfordshire, so we're in David Cameron's old constituency, and we're now represented by a Brexiteer in the same way as constituents of... Ian Duncan Smith and uh, Crispin Blunt, John Redwood and many of the other ardent Brexiteers are. So we're underrepresented uh, in so many ways in this discussion. I don't think that the Conservative Party is either going to have the common sense or the courage to vote for Rory Stewart, who is the only one who is giving any sensible reflection of the complexity of what is in front of us. And Dominic Raab is dangerous because he actually believes his own rhetoric and would take us out of the EU and believes that WTO is is fine when every other shred of evidence indicates against it. Um, Gove, Hunt and Javid are so going to be um, afraid of being tarred with the same brush as Theresa May um, when it comes to arguments and over the compromises they're going to have to be made when they, when they get criticised from the likes of um, Mark Francois, Andrew Bridgen and uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Mm. So I'm hoping that Boris will actually be um, the Trumpian of the bunch. Everyone knows that Boris has this wonderful ability to, to say and do things and then to deny that he ever said and did them. And so I think that he's the only one of all of those who is going to have the ability to make the compromises which everyone knows are going to be necessary and then get them past the Conservative Party mm. um, because he is, uh, he is renowned for not really being a man of great convictions. He can argue both points very well. He's okay. grown up, grown up in the in the, uh, the debating society environment, where you can see both sides. Yeah. Of the picture. Okay. So I mean, uh, I would so, so let me just do it yeah. It. So just to sum to summarise your point, uh, you are somebody who would prefer us to remain, um, and you think that Boris Johnson will modify his uh, his objectives and be the best hope of getting a deal, some kind of deal, past his colleagues in a deadlocked house, yes? Um, yes, absolutely. OK, so just he, just say that, David, David, just stay there. I, 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 I've heard your point. I just wanted to summarise it and bring Yvonne Davis in on this, who's calling from Swansea, because Yvonne is a leaver who also thinks that Boris Johnson would be the best hope of getting a deal, but it may not be the same kind of deal, David, that you're talking about. Yvonne Davis, tell me why you like Boris Johnson. Well, I, I want to come out of Europe and I want somebody to honour the referendum. And how do you want us to come out of Europe? Well, come out. I mean, I saw this programme on BBC Two about Europe, about how they were negotiating, and I don't, nobody's ever mentioned it much. It wasn't a programme that it seems most people didn't see. 
went on for two nights on mm. BBC Two. Well, I don't know the programme you mean, but when people are talking about leaving, and now the majority of people who are talking about leaving are talking about leaving in different ways. Well, I mean, if you, so, can't, if you can't come to an agreement with uh, Europe, you have to leave, don't you? So leave with no deal, you would be fine about yeah, that? I mean, if, if you could negotiate on... I mean... Mm. At the moment, it's just a withdrawal agreement that couldn't get through Parliament. So who do you think would do the best job here? Well, I, I, Boris, I mean, I, one has to try and put your faith in somebody. I don't normally vote Conservative. I voted Liberal in the past, and I wouldn't vote Liberal again. Because they're so, a Remainer party? Yes, uh-huh. well, for other reasons as well, mm. for other reasons. Um, but... You know, if Boris honoured the referendum, then I would vote for him in the next election. I mean, I'm interested because Michael Gove was also at the spearheading of the Leave campaign with Boris Johnson. Well, um, I suppose, I, uh, uh, you know, uh, but, but Boris is, seems to be more definite, doesn't he? He mm-hmm. says, you know, you have to leave, you have to put leave on the table as a negotiating tool and I agree with him. Okay, Yvonne, thank you very much indeed. David, thank you very much indeed. Two emails on this. Uh, I am am existing in a state of puzzlement, writes Deb Barnard, and outrage that any rational human being might consider Boris Johnson as a world leader. My conclusion... He is perfect for the rich elite. His inherent narcissism guarantees perks and policies further moneyed and he will be easy to manipulate. Boris equals more money for those with excess money. It is as crude as that. However, Judith Hamilton Lacan says, I am becoming very bored with the BBC's institutional contempt for Boris Johnson. He'll probably be a very satisfactory Prime Minister in the same way Ronald Reagan, who was loathed by the media, became one of the most successful US presidents. Uh, Let us take another call on this. Mike Hublinker. I hope I said, is it a hollow blinker? I'm so sorry, Mike, I may have mangled your name horribly. I do apologise. Well, what did you want to say to us, Mike? Um, Well, I can't uh, understand the level of support that Boris Johnson is getting. He's very good at his presentation in the media, and he manages to uh, deal with journalist questions very well in his own style. I met Boris just before the EU referendum vote and took the opportunity to talk to him about his position on it. Now, I argued that as a major country, any country that is involved in a modern economy should be working collaboratively with other countries on major projects. Mm -hmm. His question to me was, like what? To which I cited... Airbus, and as as an example. Now, his response, I was completely floored by because he said to me, What's Airbus? Mm. Well, he's not here, he's not here to relive his side of. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not saying uh, that I'm not going to take that story because you give offered that story, but I would say that he's not here to provide his side of that story. But just on the more general point, Mike, that, that we can all sort of have play some part in. Who do you think? Are you, first of all, a natural Conservative Party voter? Because those are the people who matter most right now because they will be anointing their new leader. Um, Are you a Conservative, first of all? Uh, To be honest, I think both the major parties uh, passed their sell-by date and have been for some time now. So where do do you go then? Uh, When you go to the ballot box, where are you going to tick? Um, Liberal Democrats. Okay, because... They are the only party to offer 
Okay, uh, Mark, your, your line is actually breaking up, uh, but thank you very much for your call. These are two emails. This is from Mark, who says, uh, What has happened to us as a country if we're willing to have as our Prime Minister a man with no moral compass? Has our nation sunk so low as to ignore his past actions, both public and private? Matthew Paris's analysis was spot on. I am not a Conservative member. It says here, Andy Marshall says, Boris Johnson has done a major interview. He did the World at One on BBC Radio 4. He was interviewed for 20 minutes. Why is no one mentioning that Jeremy Corbyn does not do any major interviews and not the BBC for sure and hasn't for some years now? Um, I think he has appeared... I think so. Colin Brown has uh, called us up. Also on this leadership question. Hello, Colin. Hello there. Hi. Hi. What did you want to say, Colin? Yeah, as it's interesting, you had a couple of emails from Alan's earlier on, and the first Alan mentioned the uh, divisiveness of the uh, country at the moment. And I think he's absolutely spot on. This is a very delicate time in our politics. A lot of the rhetoric that we've been hearing in this uh, leadership campaign has been about the need to unify the country. And I think we'd all agree that if that were possible, that would be a very fine thing. Uh, It seems to me that the process that we're going through at the moment to choose a new leader for the Conservative Party and consequently a new prime minister uh, feels profoundly undemocratic. And I think that's, uh, that's something that hasn't come up in the call so far. Mm. Uh, and it has come up in Mr Johnson's own words when uh, Gordon Brown was anointed to the position of Prime Minister. And I thought at the time that Gordon Brown should probably have looked to uh, um, an election. Boris Johnson was very, very strong on this himself. He, he was outraged at the fact that Brown was anointed Prime Minister without a general election. Mm. It's interesting that he and the other candidates would be prepared to become Prime Minister um, on the basis of uh, the votes of a very small number of people around the country. OK. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not hearing any of the leadership contenders um, saying, actually, let's let's just have a general election instead. So he's not alone in that. In the field that is there, is there anyone... Clearly, Boris Johnson does not appeal to you. Is mm. there anybody who does appeal to you? And tell me why. Uh, well, OK. I, mean, I actually wanted to go on to say a little bit more uh, about how this feels doubly undemocratic uh, up here in Scotland. Go on. Um, because I'm getting no sense from any of the uh, candidates um, that uh, they have a, a, an idea of the permanence or impermanence of the State of the Union. Um, Scotland has proportionately a, a tiny voice, tiny voice in this uh, 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 debate. Um, mm. It's re- reputedly, along with Northern Ireland and Wales and England, an equal partner in a union. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Scotland and Northern Ireland... Going back to the 2016 referendum, the majority of those who voted voted not to leave, no. but to remain yeah. in the European Union. Yeah. So all, all, all of this feels as though we are going to have a Prime Minister uh, who is going to take very little regard of the permanence and impermanence, or impermanence of the, of union. the union. All right, Colin, thank you very much for raising that. Uh, just uh, on uh, one of the issues that was raised in a previous call, saying I don't think Jeremy Corbyn has done a major interview. Actually, he has. I just couldn't remember the date of it. Uh, Jer- he last did Andrew Marr, middle of May. There we are. I just wanted to check that, and I can tell you that quite clearly. Um, shall we talk about licence fees, shall we? Because that um, has been an announcement this week that the BBC is n- uh, not going to give uh, a free licence to everybody over the age of 75 because they have passed that milestone. What do you make of that? Diane Saunders is our first caller on this, calling us from Leeds. Hello. Hello. Hi, what do you think? Well, I think, in my experience, I had to apply for my bus pass. So if you don't apply, you pay the 
you pay the fare. And if Matthew Paris feels strong that he should pay the fare, then just don't apply for your bus pass. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for everybody. The TV licence is different. I'm not there yet. But I think TV licence is such good value for me. I'd happily pay it and I can afford to. Mm. But it's not right for people who are 80 and 85 and who have had that TV licence for so many years to take it away from them. Mm. What about the argument that actually it's it's a crippling amount of money um, if you consider that we have an ageing population where that demographic is growing and growing fast, that well, it just is an unsustainable I, I, model? I don't know the figures, but if everybody who can afford to pay does pay, it would make that figure smaller, wouldn't it? It would. There are an awful lot of people who come up and virtue signal, I can afford to pay, I don't need it, I don't Mm. need the £200. Well, you can always get rid of it. Nobody forces anybody to take the free licence or the free bus pass. Mm -hmm. Okay, Diane, thank you very much indeed. It's it's in everybody's ability to be able to do what they think is right morally as well as financially. Okay, Diane, thank you very much indeed. This is uh, on text, on tweet, I should say. No one should have to pay a TV licence. It's time the BBC earn their own way. And if that means advertising, then so be it. Any talk of losing integrity is nonsense. A world of TV exists and the BBC should just catch up and pay their own way. Uh, another one here. Um, the TV licence, says Alan Marshall. It needs directing at the government. It is they who promised to uphold their last manifesto. It is they who are asking the BBC to shoulder what is essentially part of a UK benefits funding. Matthew Paris is quite right. Uh, on this issue of means testing for the licence, John Dalton says, means testing also introduced a lot of administration cost. Uh, let's take a call on this. Jill Jones is calling us from London. Hello, Jill. Hello. Hi, um, I agree with what everybody said, and Dan Saunders has made my point about the bus passes. Um, I just find it very hypocritical to um, suggest that free licences go and then boast about travelling free round London. Um, Matthew Paris writes extensively about his home in Derbyshire. In fact, today, Times, he's written about Derbyshire and Spain. So he's only in London part-time, but, of course, bus passes are free. You're free to travel on buses throughout the country. Mm. So why did he apply for his bus pass? I don't know. But on the other side, um, the fact is that I have... BBC and Freeview mm. can't afford Netflix or Sky. <clears throat> and actually, my television is so old, I wouldn't get it anyway. And an awful lot of people rely, I have friends who rely on BBC and Freeview. And I think that um, to suggest that just because you can, you, you, you live apparently comfortably because you're careful with your money um you should pay i don't think so i, I, the, I the, the, argu- the argument was that there are there are people he was saying there are people that he um sort of jostles past on the on the tube that he knows patently can you know are struggling to pay their fare and here he, he is somebody who can afford to pay and yet he gets granted a, a free a free pass i mean just just on that vote just a, sure but jill just on the concept of if those who can pay should pay that you know accepted the license is, is a is a, I accept that entirely but then why not have a means test for it why not say okay you know what you, you're you're applying to have a free license tick the box if you fulfill any of these criteria which say that you are of low income that you you should get one for free and then you'll get one for free well, What's the harm case, in that? Right, there are there are several possible alternatives. What about if you pay forty percent tax, then you should pay. Yes, 
Okay, so you're, so but so the you means test per se is not something that that you're immediately against. I I'm not against people who can afford no. to pay. I think they should pay. Okay. What I do feel is that there, are, as has been mentioned by a lot of people, is that most a lot of elderly people do not claim possibly what they should be claiming. Right. That's one thing. Right. They are reluctant to put themselves forward right. and, and claim. And I, when it's a universal benefit, and that is obviously known through the tax office, um, what people are earning, mm. then it would be quite comparatively simple. Okay. All right, Jill, thank you very much. Let's go to Isla Biggs, Dorothy Agar, and we'll try and squeeze in Mike Kane, but we're running out of time. Isla Biggs, first of all, what did you want to say? Hello, yes. Um, I work for Community Money Advice County Durham as a death and benefit advisor, um, and I think it's a great idea because it will publicise pension credit and people will go and find out about pension credit. There are 1.3 million people in the country who are entitled to pension credits who are not getting it. That's three and a half billion pounds unclaimed benefits. If a few people even claim mm. it because they are cross about their um, TV licence being taken away, mm. they will benefit. Do you, do you, think, think, do you think they're not claiming... Uh, Isla, sorry, because we're out of short of time, I just want to quickly ask a question. Are they not claiming because there is a stigma t- associated with claiming or they just don't know about it? Mainly, they don't know about it, if I'm honest. Um, I think there might be a small amount of stigma for some people, but if they're already getting state pension, uh, most people feel that they're entitled to it and the credit pension credit comes along. All right, I'm going to bring Dorothy in for the last 30 seconds. Dorothy, the last 30 seconds of this programme is yours. What did you want to say? Well, first of all, I was concerned about cancelling fees, uh, like everybody else that I've heard before. Mm. But I think if they do cancel them, they've got to take into consideration the content of the programmes because at the present, there are very, very few programmes that over 80s can watch okay. as in the afternoon or evening. OK. Uh, listen, thank you for making your point so succinctly, Dorothy, and I'm sorry we didn't have more time for it. And apologies if you didn't get on. We have run out of time. But same time next week, we will be back. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.